My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 112. Hey folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. I kind of have a confession to make. I do that a lot on this radio show and this podcast. I make confessions because I fail in so many ways. I've been talking a lot about, well, kind of stuck in the don'ts and the watch out fours. And so I'm going to reset the sails a little bit. I'm going to go on a starboard tack as opposed to a port tack. If you sailed any, you probably know what that means. Uh, starboard, the way I remember starboard is it is that right, the word right has more letters than the word left, and starboard has more letters than the word port. So does that, does there any logic there? Well, it's, it's what I use. So we've been going starboard. We're going to go port. We're going to spend some time on the do's, uh, the great opportunities that are out there to improve your car life. I know. I spend a lot of time warning you about things to watch out for, you know, things to do for your car. Don't take your car through a car wash, you know, that kind of stuff. But sometimes we need to talk about all the good things that are going on in the auto industry. Can't cover them all, but I'm going to cover a few of them. Uh, talk about some of the favorable winds that are blowing right now. Favor- See, what about all these sailing references? You like that? I'm, my dad bought us a sailboat back in, let's see, 1973. He bought us a um, AMF Sunfish. You remember AMF? I think they used to make, they owned Harley-Davidson for a while. They built boats, and uh, I think they made bowling balls. You know, a very diverse company, motorcycles, boats, and bowling balls. Maybe they made more stuff than that. But, yeah, he bought us a, a what was it, a sunfish. He bought us a little trailer, and we'd haul it to Hilton Head and take it on vacation, go down to Douglas Lake and, and Cherokee Lake here in East Tennessee, and I was the only one that was really good at it. I mean, it was a very lightweight boat. It was 13 feet, 5 inches long, I believe. Could handle two people, but it was snug. My brother and I would attempt to do it together, and I would always throw him off the boat or vice versa. Not intentionally, mind you. It just there wasn't much to hold on to on that little thing. I remember we took it to Hilton Head Island one day, and my dad and his good friend John McInturf disappeared they just kept going. The wind kept blowing them down the beach. And then about two hours later, here they come. I'm sitting there in the beach chair, and here I see, is that Dad and John? They're walking up the beach. So as they approach, I'm kind of smiling. and said, where's the boat? And they said, well, you boys are going to have to go down there and get it. We could not get back. Well, where is it? Well, it's probably about a mile down there. <laughs> oh, goodness. So we go down there, my brother and I run for a while and then walk and then run and then walk some more. Finally, we see the boat. That boat is upside down in the surf. The sail, the, the uh, not the sail, but the mast is stuck down in the sand at least two or three feet. And the boat, when the waves recede, the boat is still like, per, like uh, parallel to the water holding it up above the, the water. The, the mast is holding it up, and I, I've never seen anything like it. If I'd had a smartphone back in 1973, I would have taken a picture. So we finally get, with some help, we had to solicit some help. 
and uh, we got it on, you know, basically back on the water where it's supposed to. Got the sail all rigged up, started sailing back, and it was tough. What they had tried to do was to turn into the or no away from the wind rather than into the wind. So if you know anything about sailing, you you turn into the wind. If you turn away from the wind, and especially an old boat like that, it will blow you over. And so they were trying to turn starboard. No, sorry. They were trying to turn port instead of starboard. So my brother and I successfully tacked our way all the way back up. Here we come. And they just they stood there on the, the beach just giving us a, an applause. I thought that was kind of funny. But anyway, that's my sailing adventure for you. But I say all that to say that I am uh, changing directions. We're going to talk about the favorable winds that are blowing in the car business right now. Why it might just be a really good time for you to go out and take the plunge and buy a new vehicle. Regardless of where you go, of course, I'm a Ford and a Nissan dealer in Greenville, Tennessee. And so you may be listening on a podcast in um, Quebec, for all I know, or in the Philippines. But for the most part, the the people that listen are on a local radio show on talk radio in the Tri-Cities, and and they know of the dealers that I talk about. And some of them are really good. Most of them are. And there are a few bad apples, but that's true anywhere. You just got to know how to recognize them. But we'll start talking about the do's here in just a minute. All right, I am back. Yeah, I want to get positive here. I want to talk about the reasons that you should think about buying a vehicle right now. Of course, it's always a good time if you really have to buy one. If you really need a car, you pretty much don't have much of a choice. But you would rather the conditions be good, wouldn't you, uh, before you go out and buy a vehicle? You know, if the market is just absolutely flooded with vehicles just like yours, then the resale value on your vehicle is not going to be good. But pretty much everything is up. So used car values are up, holding in many cases, and actually rising in certain cases. You can thank a little bit of the UAW strike. United Auto Workers are striking the big three. Well, the not-so-big three. But uh, General Motors, Stellantis, and Ford. They want more money. And so because they're doing this this very interesting kind of a strike that they're doing right now, they are approaching this as a kind of a selective strike. They're only striking at certain key plants of each of those makers, uh, thinking that this they'll be able to ramp up the pressure if, you know, they have a failed negotiation one day, then, okay, let's strike at three more plants. You know, they have like, I don't know, 40, 50 plants that make all different components of vehicles, but they're going to, you know, just kind of incrementally uh, crank up the pressure on the automakers to try to get this done. But what it's doing is giving a nice little jolt to used car value. So that's a good thing. That's a favorable wind. Number two, EV prices are going down and incentives are going up. So I'm seriously thinking about trading my Power Boost truck with only 8,500 miles on it. This is a hybrid for the Lightning truck that I ordered. Actually, ordered it before I ordered my Power Boost truck. But the Power Boost came in first, and I said, "Okay, I'm going with the hybrid." And then the EV came out, and I just, you know, I just really wasn't fired up about it. If you've listened to this radio show, you know why. A little bit concerned about range and so forth, but 
you know, this one has the extended range battery. And if anybody's going to try it, it ought to be the Guru. So that's the way I'm looking at it. But I really didn't want to buy it at the price it was. So what did Ford do? They reduced prices by about 10 grand. So it's gotten more favorable. Uh, incentives are going up. I can get 3.9% financing for 60 months. I, I don't pay cash for it because I've got better uses for the cash, you know, personally and, and business-wise. So I finance it. 3.9 is a really good rate. Uh, you can get zero on a lot of different things right now. So that's that's reason number three. Uh, captives are offering. When I say captives, I'm talking about the financing arms of the manufacturers like Toyota Motor Credit for Toyota or Ford Motor Credit for Ford. They're called the captives because they can't finance for anybody but Ford dealers or Toyota dealers or GM dealers. So that's why they call them. They're not like a bank and where anybody can walk off the street and finance any car with them. I mean, you're not going to find Ford Motor Credit financing a new Silverado. Just not going to do it. So uh, that's another reason to do it right now. You know, people are afraid of rate. I mean, they, they go online and they see what the average rates are for financing cars, and they see that 7 and 8 and 9%, so I'm not buying a car right now. Well, they don't look at the captives where they have 0% financing for the same vehicle. So make sure you pay attention to that. Okay, number four. Product availability is pretty good. It was getting better until the strike, but I still think that most dealers, most GM, Stellantis, and Ford dealers are pretty well equipped right now and can withstand this for probably a month, and then you'll see some problems. What You know, even though the UAW is trying to ramp this up incrementally, they're really shutting down more plants than they thought they would because a lot of the plants, like there's, I was reading about this one General Motors plant that does all the stamping, the body stampings for another plant. And so if that plant shuts down, then the other plant has to shut down because they can't get the body panels that they need. Of course, the union probably knew that anyway. So let's see, what else? Oh, those are, those are the basic favorable winds that are blowing in my sailboat analogy. So let's talk about reasons to upgrade. You know, sometimes you just need a reason. Uh, you need a good excuse, something that you can kind of drop a hint, you know, to your husband or to your wife. Say, honey, you know, I just, my back's kind of hurting. And uh, I think it's my car seat. That's a pretty good hint. Now, hopefully your back is hurting but it may not be because of the car seat. But that might say, oh, honey, I don't want your back to hurt. Maybe we should get a new car. Bingo. Now, I'm not encouraging that kind of behavior. But let's talk about some real reasons to upgrade. Because there are so many cool features on vehicles right now that make the driving experience yeah, maybe a little bit more distracted or distracting, but also a lot more comfortable. You know, I had lunch at uh, where was Chick Fil A yesterday, and the you know I used to not have any place to eat. I would just eat in my lap, and then I'm always flipping salad dressing, you know, on my pants. My wife's always saying, "How'd you get all those stains on your pants?" And that's because, you know, I wear the same pair of pants a couple times, and then it's just an accumulation of balsamic vinaigrette accidents. So that's what happens. 
But my F-150 has this fold-down armrest that turns into a desk. I push a little button, and my, my console shifter, that, you know, how I shift gears in the thing, it's not mounted on the column. It's mounted on the console. I push a button. It folds down. And then I flip my console forward, and there's this platform there that I could operate a laptop computer or play tiddlywinks or whatever. But I choose to eat lunch there, and it works great. That's a neat feature. Now, would that make me buy a new truck? Well, it could if I was a contractor, and I was always looking for a nice little surface. I do a lot of work in my vehicle. It might be a good reason. Plus, I have about 10 110 outlets in my vehicle, um, and it will operate on battery power while I'm sitting there idling, or not idling. I guess with battery power, I wouldn't be idling, and saving uh, CO2 emissions and preventing global warming if there is such a thing. But anyway, fuel economy is a great reason to trade right now because fuel economy has gotten so much better. I remember back in the olden days where if you were driving a full-size truck, about 15 miles per gallon is the best you could expect. My hybrid truck gets 24 on the highway and about 22 around town. And if it's an EV, you know, it gets uh, the equivalent when you take into account the the electricity usage and stuff, it gets the equivalent of about 70 miles per gallon. Not bad. So there are reasons to think about trading simply because of fuel economy. And plus, there's no sacrifice in power. You know, used to when you had to downgrade from a V8 to a six-cylinder, well, you lost a lot of that low-end power, and and you hated that. Or when you had to downgrade from a six-cylinder to a four-cylinder, you know, it's like being punished. But it's not that way anymore. Um, This Mustang that we have on the showroom floor, I mean, it's a four-cylinder, twin-turbocharged four-cylinder that has 310 horsepower. I mean, that's more than V8 engines had back in the uh, 60s and 70s. So uh, good reason to trade, fuel economy and no sacrifice in power. Another good reason to trade is just the safety features. And see, safety now is different than it used to be. Used to, it was all about what you could do to make yourself safe. Now it's what the car can do for you to keep you safe, such as collision avoidance. Now, I wasn't paying attention the other day, and I almost backed into a tree. I have these Bradford pear trees that, believe it or not, I've been able to keep alive and not snapping over in two for 25 years, which is very rare for a Bradford pear tree. But I just plumb forgot that there was a Bradford pear tree back there and was backing up, and all of a sudden my car slammed to a, or my truck slammed to a uh, stop. I didn't hit the tree. The car, or the truck helped me from hitting the tree. It saw the tree and stopped before I could damage my bumper. Thank you very much, F-150. Those are the kind of safety features that really are good. I mean, the, the, we've had a lot of, there's so many different safety features on your vehicle that keep you from wrecking your car. Analog brakes, uh, dynamic stability control, these are wonderful. And then if you do have, have an accident, the, the full uh, complement of airbags, you know, not only the front-facing airbags, but the, the side impact airbags, the ones that protect your head. They even have uh, submarining airbags. That keep, if you actually slide underneath your seatbelt, it will protect your knees and your lower legs. These are all great things. So some of them help prevent accidents. Some of them actually 
take care of you in case you have an accident, such as the airbags, and others prevent it altogether. You know, the blind spot monitoring, this is a great thing where you're, uh, you have a little light that lights up in your mirror and you get a warning. If you're getting ready to change lanes, then uh, the, basically the vehicle will warn you that there's a car in your blind spot. If you don't have that on your current car, that might be a reason to upgrade, one of many reasons to upgrade to a new car. But safety is probably the biggest reason to upgrade right now. Uh, used car values are great, EV prices are down, but you might not be in a market for an EV. Uh, there are really great rates right now, there's no doubt about that, but safety features like collision avoidance, it's really important, especially if you're buying a car for a youngster going to college or for an, an elder parent who maybe just doesn't have the, the skills that they used to have when it came to driving. I've seen that, you know, the reaction time, it's just not as good. It's not as good for me at my age than it was, than, you know, 20 years ago. And so I appreciate some of that stuff. I love a backup camera. Do you have a backup camera on your car? You know, I've gotten used to it. I've got a lot of customers say, I can't use that thing. It's because you don't rely on it. You don't trust the camera. I had to learn how to trust the camera, and now I don't know how to use my mirrors. I lost that skill. Not really. I, I have to use both. But I love having the backup camera because it is a very valuable thing to keep from running over people with, at the grocery store. I like that. Don't want to run over somebody at Publix. That would be a bad thing to appear in the local paper. Car dealer runs over Publix customer because he ignored his backup camera. Okay, reasons to upgrade. Convenience, room, and comfort. You know, the, what has uh, really gotten way better in modern cars is storage. And cup holders. There's, there's cup holders for everybody now. There's so much, so many ingenious ways that manufacturers have figured out how to make, especially SUVs and especially three-row SUVs, more comfortable. I mean, at one time, yeah, the, the vehicle had a third-row seat, but you had to have size two feet to be comfortable sitting there. Now they put the center row on sliders, so that seat slides forward and backwards. So it makes additional room for the for the people in the third row seat. I absolutely refused to sit back there before they had this feature. Now I just don't have enough headroom because at 6'3", it's just, I guess it's my fault. But they also have in-car chargers, phone chargers, where you can just lay your phone down on the on the platform, like mine is in my console. Some of them are, are underneath the radio or the infotainment system. You just lay your phone there and it will actually charge like it does on, uh, well, you may have one of those chargers at home. Like if you have an Apple Watch, just lay that watch down on top of it and it charges it. It's better than having to mess with all those cords. But things like, you know, the built-in desk that I was telling you about in the console, full reclining seats. These are seats that don't just lay a little bit flat. They lay totally flat, just in case you have to spend the night in your vehicle. Why would you want to do that? Well, maybe you're camping or maybe somebody got mad at you. That could be a reason. But just great design and ergonomics. I mean, so many manufacturers are making such beautiful vehicles. I'm a I'm a fan of the design of Kias, and uh, Hyundais are, are doing a great job. Not a big fan of the cars, but a big fan of their their creativity when it comes to design. But everybody's building good-looking vehicles right now. You know, how do you make a box attractive? Well, they're figuring out all kinds of ways to make SUVs look good because that's about all we have anymore. I mean, there aren't many makers 
that manufacture cars anymore. I mean, you look at Ford and GM eliminated cars except for the Mustang. Of course, I don't, I don't know what Chevrolet still builds. But uh, Stellantis is getting rid of the, the uh, Chargers and Challengers. So that'll take them out. Um, and then you, But you've got Honda that still builds the Civic and the Accord. You've got Toyota that still builds the Corolla and the Camry. And then Nissan with the Versa, the Sentra, and the Altima. They just eliminated the Maxima. I think they're going to come out with another version of it that's, of course, all electric. So there are a lot of reasons to upgrade. I'll get to a couple more right after this break. Okay, so why else would you want to go out and get in debt for another car? Or even pay cash, take it all out of the bank and pay for it. Well, you know, one reason might be because you're having a lot of problems with your car. It's just not reliable anymore. It's got 327,000 miles on it. It's time to trade. Now, you don't have to buy a new one. But if you don't buy a new one, then you're not going to get a lot of these new safety features and convenience features and the, the maximum fuel economy. So, But you're also going to get a warranty. You know, you don't have to worry about any repairs for a while. And if you buy it from a dealer like me where you get a complimentary lifetime powertrain warranty, as long as you live a long time, you'll, you'll be covered. Uh, also, complimentary maintenance. You know, that's something else that a lot of dealers offer. That's usually not a part of the manufacturer's plan. It's usually a dealer-only offering. But that counts, too, because hopefully you're going to take it back to that dealer to get it serviced, if they're any good. But also, if your physical needs change, you know, you're having a harder time getting in and out of your vehicle, it's another good reason to trade right now because there's lots of options out there. Or if your family dynamics change, you have an extra child. You know, you want to make things different. My daughter just had her third. No more two-row vehicles for them. And we don't sell many vans at Gateway, so they're going to have to go with an Expedition or uh, the new Armada. It looks pretty cool as well. So now's not a bad time to do it. Of course, always a factor, rate, term, and add-ons. Watch out for those. Whoops, that was a watch out. Uh, pay attention to crash safety ratings. And resale value, you know, if you want to know whether something has good resale value or not, you can always call the guru, 423-552-2020, and I'll shoot you straight. Won't even try to sell you what I sell. How's that? And then finally, is the dealer any good? You know, you buy a national brand, but you get it serviced locally. And so you got to make sure that the dealer that you're doing business with uh, is going to take care of your needs when you need re warranty repairs or regular maintenance. I always recommend that you take them back to the dealer for regular maintenance. It just works better. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.